Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Happy Halloween, Wednesday edition of the Steve Jones Show, News Radio 1070 WKOK. You can find us at stevejoneshow.com and subscribe to our Steve Jones Show podcast. We're on iTunes, Apple Podcast app, Google Play, search Steve Jones Show, hit subscribe. And once our shows air live on WKOK, we can drop them into your smartphone and tablet so you can have access to them anytime, anywhere. And we always have three months of shows archived on our homepage at stevejonesshow.com. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, our Twitter handle, at stevejonespsu, and you can always email the show anytime, stevejones at wkok.com. Sunbury Motors, Ford, Lincoln, Hyundai, North 4th Street, Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors, Kia, on the Strip, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Be with you live till 5, then we'll have our late-day news roundup. Zach Klein at the Anchor Desk this afternoon, then CBS Sports Radio tonight after 7 here on WKOK. High School Football Roundtable, of course, tomorrow. Look forward to that. But we are definitely looking forward to speaking with Merrill Hodge. Oh, yeah. Yes, we are. Very much so. Looking forward to that very, very much. Yes. Um, that should be interesting. You would think his thoughts on CTE would be one way. It's not what, like, quite what people think. So has this been like dress-up day at the uh, radio station or what? Uh, has not. Today's actually our final day of Paint the Valley Pink, our breast cancer awareness project with Ian. Uh, so we've got the... We've got the Under Armour pink polo going on today, since we chose Wednesdays as our day to wear pink. I love it. Yep. But we'll get home in a timely fashion tonight and go right straight to the front door and greet the trick-or-treaters tonight. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'll do that after practice. (laughs) Come home. And I have a very standard way of doing it. Okay, youngster. Yeah, yeah. You know, we live in a cul-de-sac. Sounds arrogant, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it's not. <laughs> but it's not. It's a humble looking. Um, it's it's a very I'm, it's a humbling looking cul-de-sac. I'm sorry, we live in a cul-de-sac. <laughs> we do not live in a gated community. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> and we don't stink our, and we don't stick our pinky fingers out when we drink tea. We don't do that. <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, 
kids will come to the door. Now, obviously, the first half hour or so, I'm out, I'm out of the running here because uh, I'll be at football practice. Well, I'll get home around 6.35 or whatever, okay? And the kids will come to the door, and I take over, and they'll go, take as many as you want. No, they'll take like one or two. I go. I said no, no, no. I take four or five. <laughs> like, really, Mister Jones? Absolutely. <laughs> I want this stuff out of my house. Yeah. <laughs> and you are exactly the vehicle to do it. <laughs> and no offense, but it also makes me look good on the. Hey, here, go on a cool guy. <laughs> I like here, here. Take twelve. <laughs> twelve, twelve. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like that, well, it's like that satellite TV commercial. The kids are selling lemonade out on the port, you know, out on the uh, oh. <laughs> out on the street, <laughs> and the mom yeah, pours the big cup of lemonade. <laughs> oh my goodness! Okay, kids, we're good. Got to get kick off. Let's go. Yeah, here you go. One cup of lemonade. <laughs> <laughs> well, Maya's look. Does Kathy continue to overbuy on cat? On, oh, I have to make sure I have enough. I'm like, going, really? <laughs> so my goal is here. Take a dozen. Parents are in the back line. Uh, don't take too many. I'm like, oh, no, no, they're fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we stocked up on Halloween candy quite early. She, better half must have found some specials or had coupons or something. So, well, all I know is that they'll come around tonight. Little ghosts, little goblins. At the end, my grandchildren, the 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 three that live here, will show up. You know, Martin Scorsese here will take out the video camera. Take some shots of them, and then I'm going to FaceTime uh, my grandson up in New York tonight. Now, obviously, the baby's the baby, so but he's he's getting toward two and a half. So see him in costume tonight too, and then go from there. So that's what we'll do. Um, but yeah, it's Halloween now. Tomorrow we'll have our high school football roundtable. Minus one. Because uh, Shikalimi turned down the opportunity to go. Uh, I admire the fact that they did that. I know they're hurt, they're banged up, they're really injured. I think, but then they have like 15 players out. Does that sound right? Yes, uh, going into last Friday night's game, correct. So, uh, it's. Um, this has not been a great year for the district. How about that? Would that be fair? Yeah, a lot of lukewarm, a lot of lukewarm, mediocre records. Yes. Yeah, I mean, and programs that are consistently doing well every year, at least you know six, seven, eight wins, barely at or below five hundred this year. But well, see, a lot I of teams, a lot of teams are young this year. See, I think the one through the expanding to six. Classifications. I'm not so sure that helped. Uh, 
you feel like you're, you're, you're it's thinning everything out. Now you get this convoluted point system because you're trying to find people to play. I mean, you've had the consolidation of so many school districts. It's rare now when you have a Midwest that's like, hey, brand new, we're playing football. Well, you have consolidation of school districts now, and with that, or regional school districts, I don't know. I'm not quite. And again, I still go back to what I was talking about. Take the, to go back to single, double, triple, quad, and keep that public. And the private schools, charter schools, should have two classifications, small and large, and then crown your six champs. Same thing for basketball. I think that'd be a far fairer system for everybody, where it would fit what you do. You're allowed to get players from all over the place to play at your charter school. You're allowed to get players from all over the place to be in your private school. Well, if that's your model, then you've got two classifications, small and large. If you are a public school with a public school model, you've got your usual four classifications like we've always had, single, double, triple, quad. I, you know, To me, that would solve a lot of issues and consternation out there. Okay, um, we talked a little bit about the Urban Meyer situation yesterday. I think we exhausted that pretty well, and I think we've been very fair about it. Now, look, what, he's, what he has is not easy. It's not curable, the cyst on the brain. He's already had surgery. Ten months before they won the national championship at 14, they relieved the pressure from fluid in that area. And that's the procedure he underwent. Right now they can control the uh, uh, the pain uh, with medication, but it, he was very matter-of-fact about it. I think there's only um, there's only so much you can do to control it and contain it, and then look at the other options. He has, I think, three daughters. He's got one grandchild, one in the way. You know, there's long-term life issues here, too. And, of course, he loves to coach. Um, I mean, he may not be the most pleasant guy on the planet to be around, okay? Uh, but that doesn't mean you want anybody to endure the pain and, and some of the suffering he's gone through either. So that's where he is. He had, I mean, they had to bring in reporters yesterday to clarify what was really a nonchalant, uh, flat. Um, you know, it's one thing to read the transcript. It's another thing to hear him deliver it. And hearing him deliver it was like, ooh, that wasn't exactly a ringing endorsement as to what to do. Okay. So he brought four reporters in, two from Columbus, one from the web, and one from Cleveland and sat them down yesterday, and they said, hey, look, he didn't underplay what he has, and he didn't overplay it either. He was rather matter-of-fact about it. Okay. That's fine. Uh, so we'll see what he wants to do, but I think it's going to, you know, again, how much pain can you deal with it? And people have talked about and commented about how anguished he looks on the sidelines. Well, part of that is team performance, and part of that is uh, personal, because you don't know how much on a given day how much pain he has. Hard. You can talk to any of the experts at Geisinger about uh, everything they do to try and alleviate pain for their patients and how tough pain can be. 
And for him, it's, I mean, some days are better than others. Now, as for DJ Durkin, we'll talk about that in a moment as we continue on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by Sunbury Motors. Great to have you with us. Uh, Brainwash is the name of the book, The Bad Science Behind CTE and the Plot to Destroy Football with Merrill Hodge. Contributions by Peter Cummings, MD, a board-certified forensic neuropathologist. The book just came out. Today's the 31st. It's been out for eight days now. Uh, and it is a fascinating read. Um, uh, let's see. This guy, I'll give you one here. Our last preseason game was that Friday. I wouldn't be playing in it anyway because the starters don't play in the final preseason game. Instead, I assumed I'd be getting ready to play Tampa Bay in our season opener five days after that. That's when Dr. John Munsell, the Chicago Bears team doctor, called me. Dr. Munsell should have examined me in person, but instead he asked me a few questions like how I was feeling, uh, things like that. And then he cleared me to play just like that over the phone. I had no face-to-face exam, no tests. Nobody looked at me to make sure I didn't have gray matter leaking out of my ears. I got cleared over the phone by a general practitioner, not a neurologist or neurosurgeon. We didn't know back then what we know now, but we don't need, uh, but you don't need board uh, certification to know you shouldn't be okaying someone to play after a brain injury without at least someone seeing them in person. When Dr. Munsell asked me how I was feeling, I said, fine, of course I did. I wanted to be there for my teammates because that's what you do. But in reality, I had a splitting headache, and I didn't say anything about it. Nobody told me that that was a symptom of a problem, so I didn't worry about it. I just wanted to play. Okay, But see, as time goes in this book... All right, guys who take care of themselves are doing who, who take care of themselves are doing fine. Pressure on academic free speech. Okay, CTE studies coming out of Boston University, which I want to talk to him about. All right. For example, Dr. Cummings, he told me on several occasions about encountering hostility and efforts to discourage him from sharing his views about CTE, which contradict those of Dr. McKee and the media stars of the CTE Center. Again, that's one thing you'll find in many major stories, that once a narrative gets established, you are then shouted down. Now, let's let's give you a, a benign narrative, a, a, a narrative, okay? This is a benign one. Baseball's usage of analytics, okay? Sean, that, that'd be a benign topic to talk about. Sure. Right? If you are not 100% completely on board with analytics being the absolute in baseball, you are called a dinosaur, you are called someone who doesn't understand the modern game, and you don't know how it works. And you get shouted down because the narrative is analytics, analytics, analytics. I've said once, I've said 100 times in the show, I think analytics are really important. They, they are helpful and useful in making decisions, but in the end, you still have to manage and run the game. And part of any game, okay, every game has an element of playground to it that we grew up playing on the playground. 
you have to be able to have a feel as to how to handle that. You have to have a feel for, you know what? I don't care what the analytics says. I got a great hitter at the plate. I got a guy that can run. I'm going to put the defense in jeopardy and I'm going to run a hit and run play. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But if it does, I mean, just like, for example, analytics won't be perfect. Don't face the third time of the batting order. Okay. He went two in, he went uh, two turns in the batting order. Now I got my reliever and he gets pounded. Why? Just didn't have it that day. I did what analytics said to do, and it didn't work. Or I did what analytics said, and it did work. I mean, that's a benign example. We're in an era now where I read an article about how John Smoltz went quiet after the Brewers started Wade Miley in Game 5 at Dodger Stadium. He pitched a one-batter, walked him, they took him out because they wanted to flip the lineup around, and how ingenious that was, and that Smoltz was, quote, a dinosaur for staying silent and basically, like, his silence condemning the move. Well, guess what? He's allowed to have that opinion. Okay? He's allowed to have that opinion. Just like the analytics people are allowed to have their their opinion. The difference is you get shouted down. Well, the doctor that he has worked with with this has had some different findings than those at Boston University, and he gets shouted down. He gets shouted down. Well, you need to take in all expert point of views. Hey, what they're doing at Boston University is useful. Is it absolute? Uh, this book has been out eight days. I found it fascinating in going through it. You know, bad science on the, on the youth side of it. Merrill Hodge, next half hour. I am looking forward to it. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC Way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC Way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC Way. The SMC Way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. All right, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia Roots 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. It is a privilege to have with us someone whose book has been out now for a mere uh, eight days. 
but it's a book I strongly recommend. And I don't mean just like, hey, buy it for the holidays. It'll be a fun holiday read. This is uh, this is something that's not only a great read, but it's so informative from start to finish. It's entitled Brainwash, The Bad Science Behind CTE and the Plot to Destroy Football. Merrill Hodge, who wrote it with contributions by uh, Peter Cummings, MD, board-certified forensic neuropathologist. Merrill, welcome to the show. It's a pleasure. Good talking to you, Steve. Happy to be on there, buddy. All right. All right. So, look, there are certain assumptions that are made, and once a narrative is established, it is very difficult to buck the narrative. Uh, do you consider that a fair statement? And if so, how does it apply to the argument on CTE? You mean the narrative that's already been established? Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, there's no doubt, um, and that's that's one of the the real issues with this particular subject. You know, um, just to share you a quick uh, story and making this real quick. I've done a lot of media. Um, I've had literally people from the media call me and start right off the bat and say, I cannot believe you don't believe in CTE. How can you tell me concussions don't cause CTE? And I'm like, okay, wait a minute. Have you read the book? No. I'm like, well, <laughs> right. I know how you call I called to discuss the book because all those questions are answered in the book. So let me start with how this book came about. I, I really came from a parent perspective. Regardless of all the things I've done, I'm a parent. My son started playing at age seven. He's a quarterback at BYU. Just had surgery today on his toe. Um, I've seen the headlines. I, I'm, I was like, okay, what is it? And I have a life philosophy to find a way. Uh, actually, I wrote a book on that. And it was, it's always give me action, inspired action to do something about it, find answers, find the people. Well, I went across the country, even into Canada. I met with neuropathologist after neuropathologist. I cut brains with them. I sat there. I did it myself. I asked questions, and I asked that one question, what is CTE? Universally, this is exactly what they would say to me. They say, Merrill, CTE is a pattern in an observation state. We don't know what causes it, and we don't know what causes it causes. We have cases where they played football and had concussions. We have cases where they played sports and had no concussions. And we have cases where they never played football. They never played sports and they have no history of head trauma. And I'm like, well, why can why do we only hear about the football ones then? They would say this, the experts, the neuropathologists, exactly right. The science community, community is disturbed that it has gotten this far. We shake our heads. We are observing this. We have no idea. And I was like, now, once I, then there's a litany of things from that, how the narrative has gone so far. You just use the media. For example, they talk, just I told you the stories, they call me up and they tell me for fact. In fact, one guy was going to send me the science papers, believe it or not, to prove he was right, that concussions cause CT. I said, just so you know, you're the only guy in the history of this planet that has that science, so you know. So please send it. I'm looking forward to reading those papers. I've read all the papers. I've had them explain to me. Now, to his credit, he calls me, emailed me back a day later. He said, uh, I'm sorry, I'm wrong. But for years, this guy has been printing that and saying that. Right. And that's why the book became so important, because we explained the steps of science, standards of science, how incomplete the science work is at this time, the true definition of where they are versus what you see in the media. But then all of the good things that are going on in sports, the things that if parents knew about how exciting it was from protocols to treatments and therapies, if your son or daughter had a concussion, and 
it's not just in his athletic arena. I tell people all the time. My son had his first concussion his freshman year. Four days before their first bowl game, he slipped in the shower. So it can happen anywhere in any virus. So wouldn't it be better to know how to handle head trauma, the treatments and therapies that are there for it, and the real truth of the science? Now, you do with what you want, but at least I've I've done a lot of the work to help you understand it, and um, it'll help empower you. And then you use the information, um, what works best for you, your family, your choices, and how you want to use it for activities. I mean, I'll give you one that, that is a fact, and I've used it on the show a couple of times. There are actually, quote, more head injuries playing soccer than there are playing football. Yet football is always the focal point of, of this. And how much does that bother you that football is always the focal point? Well, another reason I wrote the book, because we actually break that down, too, and, and, and explain all of the concussions in all the activities, not even in sports. I mean, just all activities, trampoline, sure. we could start going on and on with, with stuff. Um, I just got off a call today, and this guy probably put it best. He, um, he was a reporter. He's done a lot of research on the rehab centers across this country with concussions, across the country, okay? He said, he's asked everybody, if football were to be abolished today, no football at any level, he's like, what would that do to your concussion clinic? All of them said at a majority of their basically said it would affect us. It would only affect us ten percent, meaning it's only ten percent of their work is is from football. Yeah. football. The other ninety percent is from all other activities and other sports, wheeled wheeled sports, bicycles, roller coasters. I mean, um, the trampolines, um, basketball, um, soccer, lacrosse. I mean. The whole litany of uh, of other sports, he, but I was like, "Wow, ten percent!" Even that kind of was like, "Wow." He goes, "It would not affect us at all." He goes, ten percent of what we see is football related from head trauma." You did a lot of research on this, not a little. I mean, a lot. I mean, I'm sitting there, I'm yeah. reading this, I'm going through this book, right? And uh, Jack Ham, by the way, is going to borrow the book from me too. So it's that you'll. I'm interested to see what Jack says when he's done reading it, but. Um, it, but when I look at it, the Boston University work has essentially, and if I'm using the wrong word here, let me know, it seems like the BU work has been considered gospel on this. It, has it been tough to break through gospel when talking to people because of the BU studies are given such credence? Well, first of all, you're right. And it's, it's always tough to break through something like that unless you have the one thing that matters. You have the truth. And you have the power of that. You have the scientific evidence of that. The one thing I think people need to understand, like the science papers out there, everybody uses. You know, it isn't like you know, Dr. Cummings and I have our own science papers, and our science papers against BU science papers. No, it's all the papers, uh, Mayo Clinic, Vanderbilt. I mean, not just BUs that nobody gets to see. There's voices out there screaming, "Slow down!" There is. This has gone out of control, but nobody wants to hear those. Nobody listened to them. That's why I wrote the book, too. I put it all in there. Um, I got a website, brainwashbook.com. The the uh, science papers are there. So it isn't like I'm saying, hey, take my word for it. I want you to educate yourself and empower yourself. Read the papers. Read some of the the read the disclaimers on them or the, uh, the, the conclusions at the end. There's literally these words in there. Caution. You can't use this 
to gauge disease of any kind. Okay, I'm kind of paraphrasing there, but the caution word is in there, that you can't use this um, is in there. And you can't use this to um, measure level of disease, like in uh, age of exposure. That's literally in the papers. And then the same people who write the player or write the uh, uh, paper are in the media and they contradict what they wrote in the science paper. And it's just like that stuff was just so disturbing to me. It's uh, it's abuse of the Hippocratic Oath they signed, quite honestly, that you wrote the paper, you know that you got bullet holes all over the place. You even wrote the word caution, I can't use this, and then you present it as fact. And that's where we've gone wrong. That's why we, we wrote the book. Um, and we do that too. We help you understand that in there, the difference between what you've seen in the media versus what really is in the science work. I mean, you and I are both big believers in what football can do for you, attitude-wise, discipline-wise, athletically. There's a long list of reasons why football is really good. You have invested a lot of time in youth football. Merrill, what are the importances of, A, teaching the game right? And in, in your experience, what's a good time to then you start thinking about allowing young people to have contact playing the game in terms of, Okay, instead of flag football, now you're going to have contact playing it. Well, um, I'll be honest with you. I'm going to use my own experience and how I did it. I'm not going to ever okay. tell anybody how to do it because I don't think anybody should do that on both sides of the fence. Kids, are you going to let your kid play tackle football? Nobody should question that. And if right. they do, they're uninformed and ignorant and don't even know the facts. The science, there is no, there's no scientific evidence that playing contact football at a young age from 7 to 11 has harmed any child later in life. There's no scientific evidence of that. And the papers are in there actually in the website and the book and we talk about that. Now that being said, um, that's what we're doing today and actually has gotten misunderstood. We've created so many options in football from tackle, flex, flag, seven on seven. We've done this for a reason, to help each kid might have a different entry level. I've had coach youth football for a long time. Been coaching yep. camp since 1991. Started coaching my son in 2003 as a youth football coach. Um, is there a couple kids that I go back and look at? Hey, they would have, they could have started with flag for a couple of years and then went to tackle. And right. then there's a majority. My son would be that one of those kids. He just wanted to play tackle. He was meant to play tackle football, and he started at age seven. And and I'm like, I, I start thinking, to have robbed my son of that opportunity, the things that he's learned that we've I've been able to teach young kids. Listen, I have a coaching philosophy. We coach our kids in the yardsticks of their years and not ours. I tell my coaches that right off the bat. Here's what's going to give you, yeah. patience and perspective, okay? We're all say, we're sorry, okay, we're 38, okay? They're eight. Let's not forget that, okay? When we tell them something and they forget it two seconds later, they're eight. They're not 38. They're going to do that. When they go home and they're worried about playing and uh, pizza and having a good time, they come back and they've forgotten everything we talked about, they're eight. And if we teach like that, A, it helps us. But the things we get to teach from it, the life lessons, you know, people talk about, you know. Right. How do you, when you don't quit in life, how, how do you teach that? What environment do you ever have? I mean, sports is a great environment for that. Let me just say this, on this quest, had I found out otherwise with this disease, with the uh, the pattern of CTE, what they, what they see from the scientists and the neuropathologists across this country and in Canada, had I thought for one second my son was in jeopardy, my son wouldn't be playing football. Same here. I am not, and I was not, I was, 
and I, you know, somebody asked me this the other day, and I, I was, I thought it was a fabulous question. I never really thought about it. They said, "Did when you started this, did you expect it to end like this?" And I was like, "You know, I didn't know what to expect," which is kind of interesting. I didn't. I just, I just wanted to know the truth. Was I shocked that the science world is saying, "I mean, are you kidding me? We are observing. We have no idea what causes it, but we have cases outside of sports." And more and more showing up across the U.K., um, in Australia, um, and the United States itself, and in Canada. All of these cases where nobody's even part of sports, never played football, never had a concussion. I've had neuropathologists go, you know, we're looking in the wrong place, you know, and really this could be nothing. But I'm like, we don't know. And I keep going back to when you don't know, you don't know. So why can you right. say anything more than that? You just don't know. Well, and part of it is you don't know because it can't properly be diagnosed until after death. Dave Dorsen, well, uh Junior Seau, for goodness sakes. I mean, I, I've known Larry Johnson because Larry Johnson went to stay at high here and then I, I announced his right. games here at Penn State. He's assuming he has it, or at least the symptoms of it. And that, that's, you can't tell at well, this, this stage. Well, see, there's there's a bunch of harmful things said right there. I mean, Larry Johnson, I think he's already diagnosed with bipolar or something. Now, for right. him to self-diagnose yes. himself and talk about symptoms, I'm going to go back to what they said. They don't know what causes it, and they don't know what it causes. So nobody knows that there's any symptoms from this, and nobody knows what those would be. Okay, so we can't even let see people speculate that, but we do. We put them on Good Morning America, and we run that title on there. Well, what are people going to think? You got people self-diagnosed themselves. Here's what a neuropathologist said to one time when I said, I asked him specific questions about stuff like that. He's, she, she looked at me, and she said, let me tell you something. Alzheimer's, we've been working on for decades. Hundreds yep. and hundreds of doctors are working on it and collaborating on it. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of papers have been written on it, clinics done on it. Thousands of brains have been looked at, and we don't know what causes that. How are you going to tell me one paper and one research thing is given give you any answers? She, she looked at me, she goes, it's a pinprick as far as starting. And I was just like, wow. I mean, I'm like, but then that's really what kind of really disturbed me. It's like, you know, people are running around scared to death. And the mom or the dad that don't know, haven't lived where I've lived, know what I know. I mean, I don't blame them if we're seeing stuff right. in the headlines and say, my kid's not going to play. And I'm scared. To death. I love my kids without end. I'm all in line with that. That's why I, I, was, I, I was so passionate about writing this book. I couldn't write it fast enough, but it, it is studious. It takes so much time. And to finally get it out, to have, to have the information that I take me years to figure out and put together to help people with that decision, I am, I'm, I'm proud of that. I'm happy about that. And I'm happy yeah. for all the doctors that helped me because I couldn't have done it without them. Yeah, you should be. And, and I lost my father to Alzheimer's, so everything you just said was gospel uh, about it. You know, I mean, nobody knows, and they, and millions have been invested in it. Uh, no, obviously, exactly. you learned a lot in doing this. Okay, okay. How important was it for you to absorb the information and not have preconceived thoughts about it, and then have the information form your thought? Well, I think that was vital at the very beginning. You know, um, listen, there's nothing I can do about my career. My career is over, you know. Right. Um, and I was thinking about, you know, my son. I was like, well, shoot, man. I mean, I, I, I'm not, he's not really at age I can tell him he quit playing. You know, he's not a kid any, anymore. Um, but 
I've always thought, and, and here's what I think we need to get at, especially if you're somebody, um, regardless of what you heard right now, there'll still be people going, he doesn't believe in CT, even though I've already told you what it is. <laughs> I haven't even explained right. what it is. Um, and they go, he doesn't believe concussions cause CT. Again, there's no scientific evidence of that. I've asked doctors. I've had them explain papers to me. Going in with an open mind with, listen, I just want to know the truth. I'm telling you, that cleared me of everything. I was just like, let it come to me. Just let me, I didn't use just Dr. Cummings. I mean, he's a brilliant dude. However, I mean, from Julian Bell's, um, Lizzie Hazarati uh, up in Canada, I mean, and literally cutting brains and look and listening and watching and everybody kind of starts repeating the same thing. I'm like, okay, this is, this is not an accident. You know, I'm, people don't even know I talk to say Lily. Nobody knows I talk to Peter. You know, these are people, mm-hmm. neuropathologists, just sharing what the real truth is to me. And that just gave me real comfort, too, that I, I knew it was on the right path. Um, then the science papers, like I said, everybody's using the same science papers. How people interpret them the way they do in the media is really evil and wrong. But that's why I put them on the website. Read them, go through them, read all mm-hmm. the stuff in there. And, you, and, you, uh, and then you just take the information and use it how you want to, but I've always thought it's best to have all the information to help us make choices versus, you know, something out of fear that you see in a headline. Yeah, finally, because I know I have to let you go, but uh, Dr. Margo Patukian, who's at Princeton now, had been uh, one of the team doctors here at Penn State. She was our team doctor for basketball. So 25 years ago, we'd be talking about, she'd be talking about concussions and the susceptibility to another one. So she and others have done a great job of just advancing to making sure that there's more knowledge and everyone's more intelligent about it, which goes back to one of the stories you tell in the book about you're missing the last preseason game. Uh, the Bears are going to play the Buccaneers to open the season. You have a splitting headache. And on the phone, the general practitioner says, how are you feeling? I'm fine. Okay, you're cleared. <laughs> yeah. See, that, you know, what you're talking about is a protocol. And you've got to realize the Steelers are doing cognitive testing in 1991, okay? Yep. That's before anybody in the professional world, it, actually in the neuropathology world in this country, knew anything about another tool for head trauma. Just That's a real honest perspective people have to remember, okay? Nobody knew about it. Nobody in professional sports. The Steelers, even though they were doing it, because Chuck Noll challenges Joe Maroon and then Dr. Lovell gets involved, they don't even really know why they're doing it other than to please Chuck Noll to create a subjective and objective information when somebody had a concussion. So think of that in 1991, but now where we are today, the protocols and treatments and therapies. That's why protocol that we have available now should be everywhere in all sports and it needs to be applicable, okay? Just because we have it doesn't mean people are doing it. That's the thing that's most important. That's why I went to Congress in 2009 and pleaded for them. We're doing nothing for 99% of the football players. I was specific to football when I was there, which is 8 to 18, okay? We're doing stuff for the NCAA and the NFL. 99% of our players are 8 to 18. Let's establish a protocol now. And that protocol was... Any type of sign of head trauma, they got removed and they could not return to whatever event they were a part of. And then they couldn't play the next week. So it gave them a two-week window to help the brain because we knew that even though you might still feel, start feeling better, you still, the best um, chance of you returning was a two-week window. That's where neuropathologists felt it was best. Now keep in mind, that's 2002. That's almost a decade later. The treatments and therapies that are available the improved protocols. I mean, this is the safest environment we've ever had in the history of sports. 
Yes. If you picked an era, you wouldn't want to play in the era where you had a strap in your helmet and you didn't drink water or you're considered soft and you did nothing for head yeah. trauma. You'd want to play now. Yes. And then unfortunately that message has gotten lost and hopefully the the book will give you the information yeah. To, yeah. to at least calm at least let you know how to handle head trauma if it ever happens. You know the treatments and therapies and keep in mind Western Pennsylvania, Pittsburgh some of the best resources and in the country although there's there's good ones all over the place i'm sure that up in penn state area you guys have them too um and we need the parents to know about those so they can get their kids help if they do have a concussion and they're having uh symptoms afterwards i thought this was fascinating i couldn't put it down it was really well researched and it is an important read i hope you you don't mind me saying that it was an important read thank you so much no, for a writing it and b for being on the show to talk about it my pleasure, brother. Thanks, Steve. Merrill Hodge, the book is entitled Brainwashed, and it is the bad science behind CTE and the plot to destroy football. What's important about this is when he talks about the bad science, don't you can't be led down a path if bad science takes you down the path. You have to have smart science, okay, to do something like that, reliable science and not an agenda when you start the science. He talks about that. Uh, it doesn't mean all the work that has been done is bad. It's not, but it doesn't mean all of it's uh, absolutely straight online. This is an outstanding book. I hope you get a chance to read it. I strongly recommend it because it's very intelligent and well researched. We'll come back top of the hour more in a moment here on News Radio 1070 WKOK.